The Trouble with Transformation, a serialized podcast by Alison Witt. Chapter 22, Confusion, Chaos, and Mayhem. Nothing was panning out quite like I thought it would. In my mind, finding your notebook was the hard part. I'd figured once we found it, everything else would fall into place. But life is never that simple, is it? Instead of having a clear path forward, I found myself at a crossroads in more ways than one. Brian, for instance, I'd been expecting fireworks once he was back at school, but he'd been surprisingly low-key since the previous Friday. We clearly weren't together anymore, which honestly was a weight lifted. But that relief was offset by a growing sense of unease. It wasn't like Brian to let things go easily. I couldn't make sense of the twins' behaviour either. They had a tendency to zoom in on drama like flies to a carcass, but they were acting as though nothing had happened. Don't overthink it too much, Danny said, as we sat cross-legged in our newly claimed spot under a large eucalyptus tree. The twins had gone off to the canteen, and I'd grilled him the moment they were out of earshot. It's a pretty basic equation, he said. Sean beat Brian in a fight, which equals, Brian is a weakling. So they picked you. In their eyes, you're the safer bet. Great, I said, rolling my eyes. If it wasn't such a cold, utterly ruthless thing to do, I'd be flattered. You should be. Up until last Friday, Brian's record for thuggery was unblemished. Now thanks to you and Sean, his street cred is in tatters. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. A guy like that has nothing to lose. But that's not what you're really worried about, is it? He said, examining me with shrewd eyes. Gah, he knew me so well. Of course I was thinking about the plans to your machine. You'd never felt so close, or as frustratingly out of reach. If we were planning to follow Dr Wilson's instructions, the next step was to contact Jim. Then you and he would take it from there. But what then? You would continue your life underground? I'd go back to surfing and spend a lifetime of pretending to cat that you're dead when I know you're not? I don't need to tell you what happened next. As you may have worked out by now, Dad, I'm not exactly one for going by the book. What's on your mind? Danny asked, his gaze straying to the far side of the quad. There was some sort of commotion and a crowd was gathering. My heart kicked up a notch, instantly picturing Brian and Sean in a rematch. But there was Sean, a few trees down from us, eating his sandwich, lost in his own world. I spotted Brian's brown curly hair in the crowd, some distance from the epicentre, and breathed a sigh of relief. Well, I said, turning back to our conversation, I'm wondering whether giving the plans to Jim and Terry would actually do them any good. What if Terry makes the machine, but spends the rest of his life living in hiding? What if we could do something with the plans and make them public or something? You know, so Terry could be free. So maybe he could come and live with you and Kat again? Danny chewed his lip, eyes fixed upon the surging wave of people. The group appeared to be following. Or chasing. Something. No, of course I don't mean that. I added in a more measured tone. I mean, I don't even know Terry. He's a stranger, 
and Kat, I don't know what she'd even say if she knew he was alive. It's just, well, it's no life at all, is it, living on the run? At the end of the day, he is my dad, so I should try to help him. Do you really think sharing the machine with the whole world is the right thing? Somebody's already dead. The crowd drew closer. Danny's gaze threatened to wander, but I skewered him with a hard look. That's exactly my point, I said. If it's out in the open, everyone can share the technology. No one will be killing anyone else to learn their secret, because it won't be a secret anymore. Danny contemplated a moment. There's a weird kind of logic to your theory. But I don't know. This machine just feels so dangerous. I racked my brains, trying to remember some of the ethical conversations we'd had previously. Danny had a thing for scientific monologuing. All I had to do was lift one of his own arguments and spin it back to him in a way that was convincing. A phrase popped into my head. The suppression of radical potential, I blurted. What? Danny said, caught off guard. The suppression of radical potential, I repeated, more assuredly this time. Wasn't it you who said the establishment shouldn't, and couldn't, hold on to technological advancements forever? Eventually the tech would break through. You said... The power to advance the human race should never be in the hands of a few people. That it was a recipe for corruption. A red flush crept from the collar of Danny's shirt. Surely I don't sound as pompous ass as that, do I? Yeah, you kind of do. Danny gave a wry grin. Okay, you got me. What do you have in mind? I don't know. Publishing the plans on the internet, maybe? Government agencies are constantly scanning the web for stuff like that, Danny said. You'd probably be shut down before anyone could even see the plans. And even if they did, the government would make it seem like a hoax. Then they'd find us via our IP address, and we'd be toast. Pah! IP on your negative attitude. Ha! Funny. Very funny. The bottom line is, it's risky that way. I think if we're going to make the machine public, we'd need to prove it works. And we'd need an awful lot of witnesses. Something public, you say, I said, stroking my chin theatrically. Something where we had a large audience, and possibly even television coverage? Yes, but how? Danny started to protest, but I held up a hand. If only we had access to such an opportunity, something which sets the stage perfectly for such an ingenious discovery. Something like a state science competition? Danny's look of consternation slowly spread into a smile, then quickly dissolved into a frown. Hey, what's wrong? I turned to follow his line of sight and saw what was wrong. The crowd was huge now. Desperate cries carried across the quad. Help her! She's out of control! I can't get close enough! Those things are lethal! My gaze swept over the crowd and back to Danny. Dan, boost me up! With a look of only mild annoyance, Danny crouched down. I scooted onto his shoulders, trying to wangle a line of view through the sea of people. I caught a momentary glimpse of Betty Jansen's face, 
but I couldn't work out what was going on. The crowd had grown too large. It's Betty. I clambered down from Danny's shoulders. Looks like another one of her dad's experiments gone rogue. I reached into my bag and pulled out a pack of bubblegum. I offered Danny a stick. He hesitated. Is this... I nodded. It might come in handy. You never know. Danny waved it away. You're braver than me. I give you that. I shrugged, unwrapped a stick for myself and popped it into my mouth. Dad, you're probably wondering what on earth was going on and why seeing Betty Jansen at the centre of a moving crowd would inspire me to crack out the bubblegum. I promise you, all will be revealed. Anyway, at that point, the crowd drew away from us again, and Danny, after a moment of do we, don't we, join the moving drama hesitation, decided to return to our previous conversation. So about those plans, I'm not sure how much you can gather from your dad's notes. He broke off as I blew a big bubble and popped it with my finger. Nice. That's very distracting, you know. Sorry, I said, tucking the gum under my tongue. You have my full attention. You've read the notes, haven't you? Danny asked. I nodded. So you must see the problem. To say that the science is out of our league is an understatement. And even if it wasn't, I doubt we could lay our hands on the kinds of materials we would need to build that thing. My chest deflated. Danny made an undeniable point. The machine was designed in a high-tech lab. How could we expect to cobble it together from the bits and pieces in Danny's bedroom? For the first time since all this insanity started, I saw myself for what I really was. A kid out of my depth. I was on the verge of calling it a day and was about to suggest we should just call Jim as instructed when the mystery crowd returned. It had doubled in size, zigzagging across the quad like a spinning coin. The duty teachers clustered together on the group's fringe, talking over each other and gesturing wildly at the centre of the crowd. Must be something pretty serious, Danny squinted against the glare coming off the asphalt. Maybe we should think about... Oh, watch out, here they come! A wall of people surged towards us and split in two. Kids and teachers alike dove out of the way of what appeared to be a missile but it was Betty Jansen whizzing around on some sort of jet-powered skates. Betty's gangly arms flailed as she struggled to keep her balance. The wind teased her long, mousy blonde hair into a violent beehive, and her normally pale skin was chalk green. Her feet practically flew. She'd be flatter than a jam sandwich if she crashed into that wall, and from the way her knobbly knees locked together, Betty was well aware of her predicament. I took a deep breath. Okay, here we go, and dug my feet in, bracing for impact as Betty hurtled towards us. <laughs>